Ladies and gentlemen, if you're a fan of the Smug Film Podcast, do yourself a favor and head on over to patreon.com slash smugfilm. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash smugfilm, where we've got a bunch of great rewards for you if you donate to the show. Just $1 a month gets you access to a library of over 20 bonus mini-episodes of the Smug Film Podcast. These mini-episodes will never be on iTunes or anywhere else. The only way to get them is by donating through Patreon. And that's not all. You also get streaming copies of my two feature films, Shredder and Rehearsals. All that for just a dollar a month. If you donate $5 a month, you get all that. Plus, we'll do a plug of whatever you want on one episode a month. Your Twitter handle, your website, your whatever. If you donate $10 a month, we'll plug whatever you want on every single episode of the show. It's an incredible deal. They're all incredible deals. So once again, that's patreon.com slash smugfilm, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash smugfilm. Head on over there today and enjoy the episode. Welcome to the Smug Film Podcast. I'm your host, Cody Clark. With me today, live in person, is Chloe Peltier. Hi, I'm here again. (laughs) Yeah, and Mark Covino. Hey, guys. Oh, my God. (laughs) The two of y'all live in person. What are the chances? This happened because, Mark, you were in... in, in Right. Somewhere in Long Island. Yeah. <laughs> for Thanksgiving. Yeah. And Chloe, you were here with me for Thanksgiving. Wonderful. And it just perfectly worked out. And y'all love each other. And I love y'all. <laughs> and we, it's a love triangle right now. It's beautiful. <laughs> it's all smiles. All smiles. All happiness. This is the first time you guys are meeting. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah, exactly. yeah, She's it's a real great. person. Yeah. And doesn't it feel kind of like we've all always known each other? Pretty much. Like, yeah. We've been Facebook buddies, the three of us, for a yeah. long ass time. Commenting and liking and loving and laughing and all mm-hmm. that good Facebook stuff. It's true. And it's great to be in a room with the three of you. It's incredible. Yeah. I got that kind of smile on my face like Ann Coulter had on her face after uh, Trump won the presidency. <laughs> <laughs> Big smiles. Big old smile. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's weird how the internet can can do that, can make it seem like we've just known each other for a long time because we keep in touch. And yeah. Well, we have. We we've all known each other for a long yeah. time. Mark, I've, uh, I've probably met you twice, I guess. And I this think is so. A, this is a third time. But third time. <laughs> it seems like it's like the 30th time. I know, it does. Yeah. <laughs> Facebook's weird like that, yeah. Yeah, but it's that's always, one, but that's why I like it. Like people yeah. are always shitting on Facebook, and yeah, it's got its problems. I mean, yeah, as you can see these days, it's got a lot of problems. It's it's a bitch to be on these days, man. It, yeah. It's draining to be on these days, and and uh, I didn't realize how many of my friends were fucking depressed. Oh, like it all, everybody. Like <laughs> they're so fucking. I thought sad. I was depressed. Yeah, you know what? I, I had uh, <laughs> actually it was it was uh, one of the Hackney boys. He uh, used to make fun of me. He used to be like, Mark, you always post so so many negative comments on Facebook. <laughs> I'm like, nowadays I'm looking at Facebook. I'm like, dude, are you looking at other people's Facebooks? Because yeah, I'm a saint compared to them. Well, it's yeah. so results oriented because it's clearly I would have the exact opposite impression if Trump had lost where all of my Facebook friends would just be like the happiest people 
in the world. Mm -hmm. And I'd be like, wow, I didn't realize how many of my friends were like the happiest people in the world. <laughs> But yeah, it's it's the exact opposite now. Facebook is is borderline impossible to be on these days. I thought it was it was going to end uh, way sooner, but it's just keeping on going. It's a horrible place. Yeah. But, <laughs> you know, you guys' posts and being around you guys always makes it better. I try to keep it positive. Yeah. You know, I think it was always kind of like that, though. It's like, this is just magnified. Because I remember before, it was like, a lot of times I would get on Facebook and I'd be like, man, if it weren't for fucking Cody being on here or Mark being on here or a couple other people, I would just not fucking bother to get on here yeah. some days. Like, you know? The, the problem is I, I always grew up kind of middle of the road. I never took any sides. I always kind of thought for myself, you know? My both my parents, I guess, were considered conservative, but that didn't have any effect on me. I never paid attention to it. But I look at Facebook these days, um, and I don't see people uh, being uh, non-biased at all. Yeah, they're, they're taking a side immediately yeah. and they're sticking with it. They don't want to listen to the other side, and I'm not about that at all. No, yeah, good for you. <laughs> my my whole thing is like the stereotype about liberals and the stereotype about conservatives is totally off because. People see liberals as open-minded. People see conservatives as closed-minded. But there are open-minded and closed-minded people on both sides. Yeah, and they they would be open-minded or closed-minded no matter what. Like they're just that's the kind of person they are. And mm -hmm. right now we're seeing a lot of very vocal, closed-minded people on the left, and that kind of like switches. It's like sometimes there's years for a time where like all the closed-minded people it seems are on the right and yeah. but it, it switches and like you have to be like aware of the switch if you if you're a person like me or chloe or mark or a bunch of other people out there who basically like looks at things with an open mind in general you you kind of have to have like your thumb or finger to the pulse and like be like all right well what who are the closed-minded people now <laughs> and i have to be kind of like anti whatever they're doing just because i'm anti-closed-mindedness it's not yeah. that i'm even changing politically mm -hmm. it's that like i have to call closed-mindedness what it is if i see closed-mindedness i call it out and that that goes for like with movies too because i feel like your approach to everything is is fairly the same like whoever you are. like and if it's not then you're like a hypocrite and you have to like work on like all right well what is what am i really because people that are very closed-minded about movies but are very open-minded about politics, it's like, well, maybe your life would be better if you're way more open-minded about movies. Maybe you are an open-minded person. You're just kind of like, you know, weirdly closed-minded in certain areas. Um, I've always been notoriously open-minded with movies. You know, me yeah. and me and Chloe, we're like the sole Batman and Robin uh, fan base <laughs> who think uh, that's the best Batman movie. Yeah, I've got a poster of it by my bed that you bought me. Yeah, so and it was like pictures. it was like yeah. your favorite damn gift. <laughs> yeah, it's the greatest. <laughs> But yeah, it's like I've always been open-minded with politics, with movies, with any goddamn thing because I just feel like I value interesting opinions more than I value um, right or wrong or any sort of like bias. You know, making up your mind shit. I just want to hear interesting thoughts. You know, I don't care yeah. if it's coming from the left, from the right. I don't care if it's coming from a notoriously bad movie or a notoriously great movie. I just want to see interesting things, hear interesting things. And it's just a shame that I seem to be in the minority these days with that. Like everyone's just like adhering to one side. It's like, imagine if people did that with movies. Oh, wait, they do. It sucks. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? it totally sucks. I've been trying to combat, combat that for like years and years and years. 
but basically I'm seeing what's happening with movies happening in, in politics mm-hmm. essentially is that people just get way closed minded and, and it stagnates and things get pretty uh, echo chambery and weird and suck for a while. And then hopefully things shift. Hopefully more people will get so bored being depressed that they'll just open their minds just to like, you know, have a breather. You know, yeah. I think they'll see that like the world's a better place if you just stay wicked, open-minded. Don't take things so fucking personally. Yeah. You know, I listen to people that I disagree with all the goddamn time because they're interesting. You know, it's yeah. it's like fun. It's great. People like always get on my case, like, well, why do you like Ann Coulter? And it's <laughs> like, well, she's like any other human being in the world. Where some stuff I agree with her on. Some stuff I disagree with her on. I just like her personality. I like her vibe as a human being. So yeah. I want to hear from her. Yeah. You know, it's it's so strange that like people think you can just write off human beings just because they're in the public eye, I guess. Yeah. You know, she's she's on TV. Therefore, she's not a person like us. It's like we don't hold friends, etc. Or rather, we shouldn't to that standard of like, I must agree with them on every single thing or else I don't even yeah. want to hear their voice. It's like crazy. <laughs> I look at it like going to Thanksgiving dinner. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. You, you deal with this shit every year. Yeah. Only now it's every single day on Facebook. <laughs> and it's all how you approach it. Like the people that have been dreading Thanksgiving dinner this year, it, it's really, it's all about how you, how you approach listening to differing opinions. Yeah. You can take something so personally just because you disagree with it. Or you can be like, oh, wow. Thank you for at least expressing that truthfully, mm-hmm. you know? With open dialogue, with well, that, open discourse. That's what I appreciate is when people are truthful and honest and yeah. they don't hold anything back. What I don't Absolutely. like is when they attack you <laughs> when you have a differing opinion. I know. It's it's and so useless. It, it's completely pointless. It doesn't get anywhere. Yeah. It, it makes you look like an asshole in the end. <laughs> if, if somebody doesn't like a movie or if somebody does like a movie that I don't like, I want to hear why. Yeah. I'm not exactly. into It's like it may not even make me like the movie. But I want to hear what you found in it. It's like yeah. with Armand White. Like people always attack him for like his opinions on films. I love reading his pieces, even if it, if even if he adores a movie I hate, because I want to see what he saw in it mm. that brought him to that conclusion. You know, I'm not so cynical that I assume like he's trolling, he's lying. That seems to be the thing that people jump to. They're like, oh, they're just trolling. It's like no, people have differing opinions, and sometimes they they add a certain flavor to it you know yeah very much and i think that like i've noticed a correlation where you know how with politics and with social stuff they have buzzwords like problematic and whatever right yeah with movies they have buzzwords like they'll have like a trend every like few months or so where they're saying a lot of some word about movies Mm -hmm. and like and like i think that people tend to box whatever they're looking at into those things, those little like hot topics about aspects of films or aspects of politics or whatever, and then not listen to these unique opinions that they're hearing. And I think that a lot of people, like you said, like there'll be uptight people on the left, on the right, whatever. A lot of people who do that, it's like they're looking for an excuse to get mad at you anyway, no matter what's going on. Mm -hmm. So it's like, like I've noticed a lot of people like, when they saw that I was voting for Trump, they the the more intense the election got, the more high people's emotions ran. Like people that I feel like maybe wanted to lash out at me because they didn't like me to begin with, 
or because they had anger in them to begin with. It gave them like, a, a moral cover. It gave them a reason to be like, well, this, 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 this. Yeah. And it's like, I think there's people who just have that where they need a reason and they'll to latch on to whatever the thing is at the time to uh, do that. Yeah. 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 It's uh there's definitely like weird trends. Like I, especially with like documentaries, remember when like, there were like all sorts of like ice melting documentaries oh, yeah. that were just like coming out. <laughs> and like that became what people thought thought of as documentaries. Mm-hmm. And it's funny how like, you know, what a documentary is evolves over time. Like there are pockets where you see a lot of different documentaries of a very specific thing. Like we, I mean, we definitely experienced like in the wake of like an inconvenient truth, there was like all those kind of documentaries, yeah. <laughs> which sure they're, they're documentaries, but they're also you know, essentially video essays, they're, they're propaganda in some cases. You know, some cases they're full of lies, some cases they're fully accurate and truthful. But that's like a version of what a documentary is. And uh, it, it just becomes what people have in their in their minds, just like with, you know, what they have in their minds is like what you go see in the theaters as a movie. Mm-hmm. That's changed drastically we've seen that that's crazy yeah. now it's just like a super a superhero movie is a movie yeah. nowadays it's like that's the thing you go and see and it's just they're so conditioned to just keep going out and seeing them because that's just in their mind of like what a movie is that's so, all they're releasing these days <laughs> that's all they're really yeah it's like if you're going to see a movie it's you know some book property you like or it's a mm-hmm. some superhero thing that's that became the concept of what a movie is. A movie is a thing adapted from I guess some I guess it's like implied that it's like from an inferior art medium or something. It's like weird. the fact that people like are so clamoring, like like with Fifty Shades of Grey, people yeah. are so like, I oh, I can't wait. I'm gonna get to see the characters <laughs> do the stuff. <laughs> yeah. And it's like it's essentially, you know, they're not saying it directly, but they're basically saying, yeah. You know, the book's all right, but like, wait till you get to see the characters do the stuff. <laughs> Just like with like Harry Potter, etc. I mean, to me personally, nothing compares to what's in your mind when you're reading the book. I agree. Yeah. I think most people, if you talk to them one on one, they all feel that way. Yet so many people, millions and millions and millions and yeah. millions of people are on that line to see one person's vision. Yeah, it's very weird. It's so strange. It's very and then they weird. end up hating it in the end too. Yeah, <laughs> and they keep coming back. Well, that's yep, what I know? mean. It's like I think they like being angry. Yeah, mm-hmm. they want to find. They're just looking for reasons to be angry. Well, that's the, the a lot of times that's the wrestling theory of entertainment, which yeah. I, I'm a huge pro wrestling fan. I love wrestling, and one of the things wrestling gets is that whether you're you know you have your heels you have your faces mm-hmm. you have the characters you root for which are the faces you have the characters you root against which are the heels traditionally of course if you like a particular bad guy you're going to root for the bad guy etc um there are exceptions to the rule but the idea is that whether somebody's angry at the result of a match by a heel winning or happy because a face wins or whatever they're still engaging with the product mm-hmm. you know they're still like you can be angry with what happened and that's considered engagement because as long as you're coming back next week or as long as you're coming back for the next pay-per-view, et cetera, <laughs> you're engaging with the product. And I think more and more you're seeing other mediums understand that, especially with film where like it's almost really like a better thing for like certain superhero movies to be shitty mm-hmm. because then it's people talking about how shitty it is 
and it's people having a curiosity about it. And if they if they talk about how shitty one particular superhero movie is, then they're going to start re-talking about all the good ones, you know, <laughs> and it just keeps everything alive. It's it's a, a calculated. It's like the producers thing of like we have to create like a bomb that makes a lot of money. Yeah. At this point, it doesn't even have to make a lot of money. Yeah. It's almost better if you create a movie that makes like no money at all and sucks. Like that Fantastic, fantastic Four movie four. that came out. I was just about out. to say that. That was like the best goddamn thing that happened because suddenly everybody's talking about Fantastic Four yeah. again. <laughs> I actually saw that one. I liked, I liked that movie. Mm. I thought it was pretty damn good. I don't traditionally like superhero movies, but for some reason that one was up my alley. It's not a perfect movie, but it does good body horror stuff in it. Um, so I, I go to the bat for that one. But it's it's so weird to see other, uh, especially movies, adopt that, that method of like... Uh, like it would only almost be worse for them if every superhero movie was fantastic mm. because then it becomes samey. It yeah. sets a certain benchmark of just sameness. Whereas if certain ones suck and if people are constantly like wondering, is this one gonna suck or is it gonna be good? Mm. They're engaging with the product. Yeah. You know, they're it's true. They're thinking about it, they're talking about it, it's consuming them. And they don't even understand that they're engaging with it because they're, they haven't spent money on a ticket yet. They're mm -hmm. just talking about it with their friends. But that's the best publicity in the world is like, yeah. how can you persuade those at home to talk about it and do all that free word of mouth? Just like Trump mm -hmm. made, like uh, New York Times calculated, he he made like tens of billions in free advertisement. Well, the, yeah, the people promoting Trump are the yeah. people hating on him. <laughs> every exactly. single, like, every see, single day I see one of my friends posting something negative about him and I, all they're doing yeah. is keeping him in front of my face. They're, yeah. they're, his, free, they're his free unpaid interns, really. Yeah. They're just putting the Trump name out there over and over and over again. And he outlines that in his 80s book, The yeah. Art of the Deal. Yeah. He says specifically... All publicity is good publicity. If they're writing something bad about you, at least they're writing about you. You know, all these things that you've heard a hundred times before, but he does it better than damn near anybody because he spent less than anybody. He won the presidency. Everybody's still talking about him, even if they hate him. He understands engagement. He yeah. understands that engagement is kind of the path to success, which is so, it runs like contrary to the idea of like, if people aren't buying tickets, like that's, then they're not engaged. But it's if you can mind control people in certain ways, you have them even if they're not necessarily spending money because they're they're just talking about you twenty four seven. It just never fucking ends. Mm -hmm. And he's been so good at having people talk about him. Like if people calculate the amount of hours they spend talking about this guy that they don't even like, they don't even like him. Yeah. Most of the people I see talking about on Facebook, they don't even like him, and they spend hours of their day talking about him and finding out things about him mm -hmm. they're fucking unpaid interns it's like <laughs> you're fucking sheep you don't realize you're sheep because you're you feel like you're rebelling against him you're putting in more time and energy than anybody i, I have <laughs> friends on facebook who have legit posted things about him every single day non-stop since yeah. the beginning and it's only ever about him and never about anything else and honestly <laughs> the only other version of that i've seen has been the people that post about any new superhero movie announcement yeah. anything casting choices Etc. And it's like the studio doesn't even have to do work anymore. They just float oh, chast yeah. casting choices. Star see, Wars. Yeah. <laughs> they see what the response is to certain casting choices. Yeah. And they they just A B test that way. And they're they don't even have to like the people that are supposed to be in charge of casting and are supposed to research this, they just farm it out by just, all right, here, <laughs> you know, some outlet report that like Donald Glover is in the running for some yeah. role. See how people engage. Oh, 
we found that this percentage of people engaged with it. That means we're going to cast them. It's mm-hmm. like, it's so blatantly apparent. <laughs> I just wish that, you know, people who apparently, you know, say they're not interested in something understood that they're, they're technically more interested than yeah. anybody. It's, it's crazy. Uh, it's like, just break from the conditioning, man. Just talk about things that you generally have interest in. Yeah. I, that's what I tried to do on Facebook. Yeah. That's what you guys try to do on Facebook mm-hmm. uh, and Twitter, etc. is just, just stuff that you genuinely are interested in and just rebel against this uh, programming. It, yeah. It's total yeah. programming. Something I've seen too working at the theater is that even though all uh, most of the movies that come out are terrible or a franchise, which that's a weird word, right? Yeah. Like even though that happens and like most of the people who work at the theater are like people who love movies, it's like me, my reaction to that is to be like, well, I'm not going to see most of these because why would I waste my time? Like I've walked into them a million times. And they don't look good. So why would I do that? I'm going to go watch something better at home or whatever. And they're like, but you get free tickets. And I'm like, so? And right. it's like, but my fellow employees aren't like that. They're like, it's like they feel like they have a duty because they work at the theater to follow these things. And you can see them like, having this battle in their head. It's like they're trying to reconcile that they don't really like what's going on with the movies, but that they want to engage with them because they feel like they they ha- they have to. And so they're sitting there like like you can see somebody they'll just have seen a superhero movie or something and they're like they're like, "Well, I d- I didn't like this, but you know, it was it was okay. It was okay." And you know, like they're just like talking. They're convincing themselves more than they're convincing you while they're talking about it. And the whole time they're like, "So you gonna go see it? Are you gonna like?" They want somebody to confirm and be like, "Yeah, I'm gonna buy into this crap with you." Yeah. And I'm just like, "No, I'm they not." They just gonna. want somebody <laughs> to fucking talk to yeah. about these yeah. things. <laughs> yeah, it's like people are so desperate to talk to somebody about something, yeah. and they don't even care if like either person is really that interested in it. Yeah, they just like. You just have to see it, man. You know? well, I, I get that all the time with television shows. Yeah. Everybody's oh my always God, on so my much. everyone's on my case about uh, Game of Thrones or and, Black Mirror and or... Black Mirror. Oh my God! And I mean, these are and I'm sure they're great shows, but I have no fucking time in my life to sit yeah, down and watch either. all these shows. More often than not, these shows are good just because the standard for television right now is it's really is, good. It's exceptionally it's, high. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's it's that's every, where our mid range films went. Yeah, <laughs> it's television. It's it's. Mm-hmm. Something to be very proud of, just in general, is the state of American television right yeah. now. It's it's fascinating. It's it's incredible. But who but has the, who has the time to sit down and watch sixty hours of television? It's, it's become Not that I. though, where I can't talk to anybody about anything. It's all people want to talk about. All they want to do yeah, is talk is. about the television. It shows. really is. I still haven't seen Breaking Bad. <laughs> no, I've never seen Breaking Bad either. I just don't feel like it. Uh, no, me neither. <laughs> if anything, the more they talk about this stuff, the more I just don't want to. Yeah. I'm well, that's the like... problem. That's a problem with somebody like me. Is once people start talking about something a lot, I'm completely. Yeah, um, I lose interest too. I'm not yeah. into it at all. Yep. I'm done. <laughs> well, me and yeah. Chloe, there's stuff that we binge watch television wise because <laughs> she lives in Kansas City, of course. Mm. And so we're on Skype all the time, just binge watching yeah, stuff together. And we're not binge watching Breaking Bad. We're not binge watching whatever. What, what did we binge watch? We binge watched all of Martin. Oh, nice. It was show. so it's good. It's a great show. It's so good. <laughs> we had a great time. It was wonderful. We binge watched Martin. We 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 did a lot of the old Goosebumps episodes. And we watched all of Lost. We all watched all of Lost, which is one of yeah. my favorite shows. That's like the Incredible. third or fourth time that I went through it, just because I wanted her to see it. Yeah. But as far as like shows we pick, like uh, we binge watch all of uh, Breaking the Magician's Code, oh, Magic's nice. Greatest Secrets <laughs> Finally <laughs> Revealed. So great. 
It's like, it was like one of the greatest shows we've ever seen. Is that the one with the guy with the mask? Yeah. Yes. The mask yeah. magician is so good. The magician. Yeah, there's this great part where they're always like, when they reveal it, he's like, the magician. It's what they say when yeah. he does one of those tricks where he disappears himself and yeah. then appears somewhere. Whenever yeah. he appears, they go, what's that? Oh, it's the magician. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, especially with like TV, with movies, with everything. I don't want to see things that people are watching because it's like, all right, you guys have that. Somebody else has to be curating and looking for the other shit because mm-hmm. there's always a movie people are overlooking. Yeah. There's never been a case in film history, in art history, in anything where there isn't stuff actively being overlooked. Yeah. And I, I take it upon myself to always look for overlooked movies even stuff that like i wrote off and then like i'll try one day and i'll be like oh man yeah. that was really good fucking tim burton's dark shadows dude oh, oh so that was good. a great movie i go to yeah. that for that that was great i yeah. i wrote that off because it was marketed horribly but it was one of those movies where there's no fucking way you could market that well like yeah. it's so that's a tough one like it's a marketer's worst nightmare like how do you <laughs> yeah. even fucking begin to market that movie what's the yeah. demographic <laughs> i threw it on one day fucking loved it adored yeah. it Bought it on Blu-ray for like four bucks the next day. I was yeah. stoked. Eva Green really. Uh, oh my god, Eva, she was great. Well, Eva Green, she's the price is worth the price of admission for damn near anything. Yeah, yeah pretty much. <laughs> Jesus Christ, that was my first yeah. introduction to her too. And oh, I was yeah. like, damn. Major. You, haven't, you haven't seen the Dreamers yet? No. Oh my god, <laughs> that's the best introduction to her. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, that was her first you, film. That too, was her right? first film, and, and she goes balls out. You I see mean, she's, everything. Nice. She's naked. She's bleeding. She's yeah. having bleeding? sex. She's doing. She, she, she does bleeding. it all like what kind of bleeding in a good way the happy way <laughs> I, I'll, I'll leave it to the imagination but the 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 kind of the kind of bleeding that has pleasure to it the, oh. the kind of bleeding that uh, is is a natural uh part of uh, doing a certain uh act for the first time mm-hmm. ah yes okay. <laughs> but uh dreamers is incredible man holy shit eva green that was one of those movies where I was so pissed off when I found out that there's like an R-rated version of it. Yeah. Because I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? It's like, why even... When, waste- it, when it came out, I remembered it being advertised as NC-17. Yeah. I didn't even realize there was an R-rated version. There was an R-rated version. It's like, there's certain movies... You, kid, you How can you do an R-rated version of that? It's like when they air Killing Scarface the on TV. Yeah. And they cut out like, you know... <laughs> Some of like the chainsaw <laughs> stuff. They cut out all the language. <laughs> fucked up. It's so crazy. Like that that opening scene in Scarface where he's getting interviewed by like yeah. the two interrogated by the two guys. They're like, "Where'd you get that scar? Eating pineapple?" <laughs> <laughs> that's what they say in the TV version. Sometimes oh that's God. kind of fun though. Yeah, that's fun. <laughs> There's that Die Hard one where it's uh, Yubikai mother father. Mother father. <laughs> Those are fun sometimes. Oh, yeah. or remember Snakes on the Plane, the yeah. the TV one. It's like it's like I'm sick and tired of these of these uh, snakes on this Monday to Friday plane. <laughs> Monday to Friday. Plane. It's great when they actually get the actors to do it too. <laughs> yeah, because sometimes you'll be listening on TV, like especially when Some we were random gr- guy's voice when we were growing up, like. <laughs> Some guy trying to do like a Bruce Willis, like (laughs) cannot do it, cannot do it. All right, we're going to take a quick break right now. We'll be right back (laughs) after these messages. And now, Smug Film presents Robot Reenactments. Listen, you fuckers, you screw heads. Here is a man who would not take it anymore. Who would not, let. Listen, you fuckers, you screw heads. Here is a man who would not take it anymore. 
A man who stood up against the scum, the cunts, the dogs, the filth, the shit. Here is a man who stood up. This has been a robot reenactment. Hello, Smug Film fans. Leave us a question or a comment for Smug Film to play on the show by calling the following voicemail number. 718-395-9711 Once again, that's 718-395-9711 We look forward to hearing from you, you lovely, lovely people. Hello, I am the hunky Smug Film Sponsor Plug Man. I'm here to tell you about the fine people who support the Smug Film Podcast through Patreon. You all should check out Bobby Slow on Twitter, he's a very funny and good man who tweets funny and good things and is worthy of your love. And he has a really good Twitter ratio of followers to following. That's impressive. Once again, that's Bobby, Slow, on Twitter. You should also check out Minor Key Games. Go on over to MinorKeyGames.com and check out these awesome computer games made by David and Kyle Pittman. Two brothers that make great video games with an old school feel. Cody hates new video games for the most part, but he enjoys the heck out of these. Once again, that's MinorKeyGames.com. Also, be sure to check out Room Full of Spoons, Rick Harper's documentary about the cult classic film The Room. It's a great documentary that we all love here as Smug Film, and go to roomfullofspoons.com to find out when it's coming to your city. Thank you for listening to my hunky voice, and thank you all who have donated to the show. And if you would like to be plugged on the show, please head on over to patreon.com slash smugfilm and donate. And now, back to the episode. And we are back, so Mark... I know you got stuff in the pipeline you can't necessarily talk about specifically. Yeah. <laughs> Exciting stuff. You know, off the record, I know about it. It's great. Yeah. Everything sounds awesome. <laughs> what, I mean, this is kind of a challenge, but <laughs> how, maybe try and talk about the stuff talk about without, it. you know, getting people angry at you for talking about stuff too early. I'll, I'll try my best. Use okay. the negative space. Yeah. The stuff, Mark. I mean, yeah. I, Somehow this year became a really busy year for me. <laughs> I got you seem a lot of always plate. busy, yeah. I, and I don't like that. <laughs> I don't, no. I'm not one of those people that likes to stay busy. Uh, I like to work on one project at a time. And, and this year it became a lot of projects at, at one time. Uh, this year I got my latest film done, uh, The Crest, which is a Irish surfing Yay. documentary. <laughs> I'm, um, I've been looking forward to that one for too. a very long time. Yeah. I hope you guys like it. I, uh I'm gonna hate it. <laughs> it's it's not a band called Death, so it's a completely different kind of movie. It's more of like a an adventure history type film. It's a yeah, yeah it's a documentary about um, these two guys who were sort of separated, uh, never knew each other. Two cousins, yeah, Irish American. One lives in Cape Cod. One lives in San Diego, and and um, they learn about each other when a, a relative of theirs wrote a blog about a fiddle that was found in an attic in a rural part of Ireland. So they go back to this land where the fiddle was found uh, and kind of learn about their heritage while they surf these waves. Uh, they're surfers. So. Yeah, coincidentally, they were both surfers. It, it, had no idea. Yeah, because their ancestors lived off the water and everything. And, yeah. and, and so it's a lot of uh, the parallels of the past and the present. And um, I mean, the, the film, it's a good film, but I tell you, the score just made it a great film to me. Oh, yeah. Um, we get this guy, Darius Halbert to compose the score for it. He found me through Twitter, just like Scott Mosier found me through Twitter on a band called Death. 
I, I tell you, Twitter, social media is such a great place. Yeah, to get it, connected. It really can be. Yeah, um, the positive side of social yeah, media, exactly. by the way. <laughs> um, and uh, Darius, I saw when he started tweeting about how great uh, Bankle Death was. I saw that he had scored Hobo with a Shotgun, which is one oh, of my wow. favorite horror films. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Um, and so I asked him if he wouldn't mind scoring it, and and he, he agreed. And he actually had a theme in mind because his wife is Irish. Mm. And he always wanted to put it to the correct movie, and and my film just worked out. And I tell you, when I say it's the best theme, I, best score I've heard all year, it is <laughs> like awesome. Are there plans to put it out on like CD or? We, we're talking to him about that. Great. Um, I don't know when that'll happen, or we never thought we were going to actually have a score this good. Mm. <laughs> I mean, we just figured <laughs> we'll, we'll have like a generic documentary type score instead this is yeah. pretty epic um so we're definitely gonna we're talking to him about it and we'll figure that out but uh but yeah i mean one of the latest things i found out is where our, our film finally kind of found its u.s premiere but i can't really say where yet <laughs> okay so can't say yeah. where mm-hmm. yeah do we have a month maybe um couple months couple yeah. months yeah. from yeah. now but there, there will be in 2017 i assume 2017 yeah okay and so um, early 2017 there will be a premiere yeah from the cross and so we're excited about that and then some of the other things that kind of ha- have happened <laughs> while i was wrapping up that film uh i uh Oh my god, what to talk about? There's some stuff I can't even talk about because I got fired <laughs> off of it. <laughs> well, that stuff is not important uh, anymore. Yeah, yeah, don't worry about that stuff. But uh, <laughs> but no, I, I produced a my my very first feature length narrative film nice. uh, last month, yeah. and uh, it stars Sam J. Jones, who is Flash Gordon. Uh, in oh snap! Oh, wow. Flash Gordon movie. I love Flash Gordon. Uh, uh, so yeah. That's a great it's fucking awesome. so great. Was he? Was he cool? He was. Fucking awesome. awesome. I mean, yes. you, you couldn't ask for a better, like, cooler dude. That's what I want to hear. Oh, my God. So awesome. And he, he signed a Flash Gordon poster for every single crew member. Beautiful. And, and never even thought twice about it. And made sure he got everybody, including the caterer. I was like, dude, you're fucking awesome. Um, he was great. We we also have Sean Young is in the movie. Dude. Uh, yeah. Sean Young. <laughs> Sean Young. Did um, you, like... Try and take a peek at the urinal there, to there, see if she had. There was a, a lot or... of Finkel and Einhorn <laughs> jokes going around on yeah. set. I'm but sure she, that never ends with her. N- no, it, <laughs> she. I tell you, she was amazing. She was awesome. A, a pr- true professional. Nothing like what I heard. You know, uh, you hear all these bad rumors about her. You know, it, it's a tough business. Uh, <laughs> yeah. If, if you speak your mind, and and I could see how that might have bitten her in the ass, but. She was great to all of us on set. And, in uh, in my experience, the people you hear shit like that about always yeah. end up being like the sweetest, most yeah. awesome people. Oh yeah, yeah. I, it never holds up. You yeah, know, it never. All the rumors, oh, he's difficult to work with. It's yeah. like no, people you, talk shit because they're jealous. Yeah, no. Yeah. I mean, pretty much all of our cast were awesome, and nobody was an issue at all. I mean, fantastic. Uh, you know, we had those two. We had John James, who was in the show called Dynasty. <laughs> he was one of the Colbys. <laughs> Um, and we also had uh Maxwell Caldfield, who um he was in Greece too, mm. and uh he was also in Empire Records, he was the uh, big celebrity guy. Oh, yeah, <laughs> uh, now I know, he's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so it was, it was, it was a really good cast for an ultra low budget film, everybody was awesome. Do we have a genre that we can announce? Um, yeah, it's a sci fi film. It, it's, I can't say much about it because we're kind of it's still getting worked on in post, sure. and we want to leak out this information slowly. But it's essentially, uh, you know, it, it's basically Back to the Future meets uh, like a Hitchcock film, I'd say. Okay. Um, they've been saying 
the you know one of the Bourne movies, but I don't see that really in our uh-huh. movie. <laughs> um, it, it, it definitely feels like a Hitchcock film meets uh, Back to the Future to me. And cool. So, it's, so very it's like uh, visually interesting and fun. Yeah, yeah. Cool. And, and I even had one of my high school friends uh, design this device that's kind of like the MacGuffin in the movie. So, cool. Um, mm-hmm. That was pretty neat. Um, so that I did that recently, and that. That was tough. <laughs> That's great. Any any like documentary stuff again or? Uh, yeah, I have um, another feature length documentary is kind of on the horizon. I don't know if I'm gonna do it 100 percent or I want to do it, but it's nothing's 100 percent yet. Mm-hmm. I should say, uh, and it's on a. It would be on a really huge music icon, um, mm. and and so I'm excited about that. Um, it would it would be uh, you know me directing again. And, is this um, something you were like approached for? Or? Yeah. Through, oh, cool. Through Twitter. Great. <laughs> yeah. Fucking Twitter. And, Twitter. I mean, I, shout I, out to Twitter. I, I I barely use Twitter, and yet I found so much success through Twitter. It's uh, yeah. It really is one of those things that uh, I'm, I'm very appreciative for. Twitter's yeah, isn't it incredible world. how instantly you can reach people on there? It's crazy. It's insane. And people, people that yeah, people that like for probably decades. If you wanted to get a hold of, you couldn't get a hold of. Yeah. Either because they just weren't in a, oh, in a different insane. mindset about it, or they had representation that weren't truly looking out for them. I mean, yeah. you hear about like those uh, cases, like uh, with James Woods when it came to Reservoir Dogs, where mm-hmm. Tarantino really wanted James Woods for Mr. Orange, wrote it with him in mind, uh, sent it to him. His representation was like, we really want him. Never got back to James Woods. James Woods years later was like, I would have died to be in that fucking movie. It never came across my desk. Yeah, it, that used to be the problem. And it, honestly, if Twitter had been around then, yeah, Tarantino could have just reached out to me. That's there. funny because I, I just um, one of my current jobs is I'm editing the special features on Poltergeist two and three. Oh yeah, and um, on two. Uh, I never even realized this until I started cutting the special features that uh, H.R. Geiger did the special effects for it. I, I feel like such a horrible person for not even knowing this. I didn't know that either. Um, Jesus. So, I mean, he designed them. He was the, you know, yeah. supervisor. And, and um, I had no idea. Wow. And, um, and the one thing that was interesting in editing this was I learned that he really, like, one of the things he really wanted to do was to do a sequel to Alien. Mm. And he never got word that Aliens was getting made until oh, after the fact because he was he was on oh poltergeist 2 and nobody was telling him but if he had twitter if he had the internet he would have known and so it's kind of a bummer because that's what he wanted to do and and in in the special features I, I don't i'm still kind of cutting in i'm not sure if it's going to make it in but uh you know james cameron uh in the end wrote him a really nice letter and apologized and basically stated his his case which was you know i'm i'm this art director in heart you know that's where i started and i had all these ideas i wanted to get out and i was worried that bringing you on board you know would hold back some of my ideas and i I truly respect your art and yeah you know we tried our best to represent it (laughs) you know geiger's influence is just tremendous it's insane yeah i mean to think that so many iconic ideas that we just take for granted all came from one person yeah it's true it's incredible it's like it, it always reminds me of the case of like with Coca-Cola and Santa Claus. Yeah. yeah. What, what we see oh of God. as Santa Claus was a really successful Coca-Cola marketing campaign. The jolly yeah. Santa that we associate as, oh, that's Santa Claus. That's Coca-Cola. It was all that's, Coca-Cola. Yeah. Santa Claus before that, you look at Santa Clauses, they, they don't have that no. same look. They have certain things that are similar, but they, they're they yeah. a little slimmer. They're almost more like a tent 
almost thing yeah. like or like an elf or something mm-hmm. it's like dude like you look at that coca-cola santa that's fucking santa it's like they nailed it so well that yeah. it just becomes second nature like synonymous you never even think about it but that's yeah. some dude drew that you yeah. know some dude drew that and because he drew that we have santa claus mm-hmm. it's like it's incredible always, it's crazy i always thought that was cool and i knew that at an early age because i was a coca-cola collector growing up yeah <laughs> and, uh, i remember one of my favorite um xkcd comics which you know i'll read them occasionally a lot of them i don't get because it's like programmer humor that i don't understand or whatever um but they did one where they charted uh the amount of christmas songs mm-hmm. by decade and the vast majority of christmas songs were written in like the 40s and 50s yeah but we take them for granted like they've been around forever they're yeah. just like synonymous with like oh you know, Christmas, it seems like Christmas was going on for fucking ever, mm-hmm. but there was this, this like huge boom of songs about Christmas that are yeah. the standards, but they were all written in like a span of like a couple years. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> very so close weird. to each other. It's cra- It's like with the Beatles, people don't realize they wrote all those yeah. songs in like a few short years. Yeah. It's crazy. I know. It's hard if you, if you don't know the history. To yeah. Think, like the Beatles were only around for a short time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And people get so intimidated by like when they want to do something with their life, you know, like they think, well, I need to, I need my whole life. And it's like, no, like you could do a lot in just a few years. Yeah. Like it's quality over quantity. It's, uh, I think the amount of hours you put into something doesn't necessarily mean that's going to be good. I mean, you hear of songs where like somebody just like came up with that hook in their head on the toilet, whatever, (laughs) you know, in a split second. And it's some of the best, well, it's music like filmmaking. Heard. I mean, you can't keep working on your film nonstop. No. I mean, look, you turn into Lucas. Then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you absolutely. You end up adding shit that doesn't need to be added. That's <laughs> mm-hmm. true. Um, yeah. But uh, but yeah, I um, I that's one of my biggest struggles as a filmmaker is learning when to just put my foot down and say, okay, I'm done cutting this. I'm not going to cut yeah. it anymore. Especially with documentaries, yeah. you can almost work on yeah. something for goddamn ever. I mean, there's a hundred. And there's a billion things I want different in my current film, and I, I just I can't cut it anymore. It's done. Yeah, it's locked in. We had the DCP made, but I I see it and I cringe because I'm like, oh, I wish I could have did that. Mm. But you know what? <laughs> this is the movie that the public's going to see, and they're going to judge it on their own. Yeah, and they're going to have yeah. their own experience because yeah. I made it for them. I didn't just make it for myself. I made yeah. it. You know, that's why I make movies. I want yeah. other people to see them. I don't want absolutely just make them. I used yeah. to make them for myself when I was in college, and then nobody saw them. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. That was the problem. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it, it's so strange because like, if you think about it, essentially you can you can make something forever. You can yeah. you can work on the same movie for the rest of your life just because you can always keep going in and finding like, oh, if I trim a few frames here, from from few frames there, yeah. And even like films that I'll revisit, like um, I remember Pauline Kael had a great observation about the movie Carrie, mm. which she says it's entirely perfect as a film except there's that one part where like the two boys are like dressing the fast motion the fast motion she's like it's the worst goddamn thing you've ever seen the movie so bad yeah and when you go back when you go and watch carrie you get to that part and you're like oh god i forgot about it and it's like a couple seconds it's it has no effect on the plot whatsoever it's not like they mentioned some plot point that like if you cut it out then the movie doesn't make sense it's the most superfluous piece of film and maybe even in film history it should not be there. It's there. <laughs> but I love it. <laughs> you may love it. It's so bad. It's horrible. It's horrible. And 
it, it's so it's almost like it's like uh De Palma's like growing pains because like yeah. he did he did weird experimental shit early on in his career. Yeah. And that was like the last vestige of that sort of like <laughs> stupid shit. I'm gonna hit him out of left field. Yeah. And it's like it's, it's like, why private. is that even in there? <laughs> and there's certain there's definitely certain cases where like you look at it and you see the warts over oh, yeah. time. I love Carrie. Carrie's fucking Great, phenomenal. Terrific but, film. Yeah. But you do see the warts. Like every piece of yeah. art that you see, there's always something that could be All the time. tweaked about it. Yeah. Absolutely. Even even with Poltergeist 2, I hadn't seen it in forever. Mm. And I'm doing these special features for it. And I'm having to watch the film over and over again. And I remember it just blowing me away. And it still does. Like a lot of the effects that they did in there are phenomenal and, and groundbreaking. But there's some of this blue screen shit that they do that is just so <laughs> god awful. Yeah. You see a blue line around people for crying out loud. Oh, it's no. terrible. Yeah. It's funny with documentaries as the endless thing because it's almost even more exacerbated when it comes to documentaries because yeah. there was that great documentary just recently called Wiener about Anthony I Wiener. I want to see that so bad. It's very, very good. It's yeah. I was worried that it was going to be kind of like a puff piece about him. Like, yeah, yeah. oh, he's not all bad. Look at all he did. It's very <laughs> fly on the wall. It's very, he just incriminates himself and makes himself yeah, look like doing he's more thing. of a dick. <laughs> it's, a, it's a really good documentary, but it came out right before a whole bunch of other stuff. I know. And perfect timing. It's like it now it needs like a PS and a PPS and yeah. a PPPS. It's like it never fucking ends. With with certain documentaries about like yeah. a person like that who's only gonna do more crazy shit yeah. as you go on. It well, never fucking um, ends. I mean, that kind of happened with a band called Death. I mean, things kept yeah. happening with the band after yeah. we started filming. Uh one thing I forgot to mention, the update people is just a month or two ago, the band got inducted into the Smithsonian. So. Oh yeah, that oh, was awesome. you know, they, that was so wonderful when I yeah, saw that. There's, yeah, there's this uh, African American History Museum that they just opened up there, and, and they have the album and and every you know their That's music beautiful. there, and it's in there, and they mention the film. I mean, it's insane. It's beautiful, yeah. Um, but yeah, shit like that, it just keeps happening and happening, and it blows you away. Yeah. Well, when you when you look at that, like, what is that? I can't even imagine what that even feels like to have. Something that you created, referenced in this Smithsonian uh, venue. Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of mind blowing. I, I still have. I still yeah. don't believe it. <laughs> I mean, yeah. have you have you been there yet? I haven't been there. I want to. That's um, that's gonna be a weird. <laughs> it is. It's gonna it's, be awesome. It's gonna be cathartic. I know Jeff went for the uh-huh. opening ceremony. Jeff Hallett. Jeff Hallett, my co-director. I mean, they're. they're what, the opening ceremony was huge because the president was there. Oh and, man! And so. Wow. Even people that were in the museum that get mentioned, they didn't necessarily get the easiest entrance into yeah. So it was it was one of those things where I knew it was going to be a clusterfuck and I didn't want to go <laughs> unless somebody was like going to get me a ticket. Nobody was going to get me a ticket. So um, I didn't go, but I let Jeff go and he took some pictures and, and he went with the band. And, well, I'm sure you'll make know. the pr- uh, pilgrimage eventually. <laughs> I will. For sure. I, definitely. I, I have to. I mean, it's I'm kind of a part of that. So. Yeah. Um, Isn't it weird to think that the president probably knows your work? It's pretty neat. Like <laughs> he, he probably, I don't know necessarily that he's Some, seen it. He might have seen it. Well, somebody told me that they saw that Obama said that he saw it, but I don't. I didn't wow. see that anywhere. You've made, you've made a um, film that a president but, has seen. It's but I, I, know, I know that I know that Chelsea Clinton saw the film because she tweeted about it. Nice. Yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, like just the amount of people that have seen it have blown me away. I mean, in, in different 
kinds of people. Like, yeah. you know, the one of the executive producers of My Little Pony. So, <laughs> don't they make know, a list? So I got the of, bronies after me now. Yeah. <laughs> don't they make a list of like the movies the president watches? I've seen that. They should. Yeah, they I've do. Seen, I was trying to find out what movies Trump liked. Uh, and I found one that was like a really fun choice because usually when you look up what a famous person likes, yeah, it's the same. It's like a Godfather, Gone with the Wind. Yeah, I like it when it's something Safe surprising, stuff. something yeah. different. I I always love when they finally like show some part of their actual selves because yeah. there's so many safe answers with film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like when they do the Rotten Tomatoes five favorite films things, and people yeah. are like, "Oh, you know what movie I really like." <laughs> I really like Casablanca. Yeah, you never. And gonna, it's like, uh, well, go uh, fuck off because you just wasted you, their goddamn time. You're never gonna see. <laughs> oh, I really love pink flamingos. That's what I want to hear. <laughs> yeah. I well, heard, that's what I'm gonna you know, say when I get famous. <laughs> I heard uh, a year or so ago. I heard one of my favorite bits of fucking trivia ever, which was James Cameron did an Ask Me Anything, yeah. and somebody asked him like, "Well, what's like a guilty pleasure film that you mm. like?" And he said, "You know what? Fucking that first Resident Evil movie." Oh really? Yeah, he was oh. like, he was like, I really like that movie. I like, it. see, yeah, that's great. That's, that's the kind you, of shit I want to fucking learn hear. something about that guy. Yeah, yeah. You, you actually learn mm-hmm. something about like what he's into and what yeah. you know. He I found digs. out the other day that H.R. Geiger's favorite film was Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Awesome, <laughs> makes me love the guy even more. That's the kind yeah. of thing you love to hear. So yeah. in Trump's case, you know, it was all the typical like Goodfellas, etc., the safe choices. And then I found one source which you know had him saying that he loves Bloodsport. Oh wow! That's awesome. he, and he apparently he plays it on his plane, which is like I was like, thank you, finally something that just, we have a winner. Yeah, and I looked up the ones for Hillary Clinton. Yeah, all safe choices. Yeah, I of bet course. nothing, yeah. not, not even yeah. not an oddball in there. Yeah, all like predetermined, like perfect choices. Meanwhile, yeah. it's Some like focus group Trump playing Bloodsport on his plane. I'm like, yeah, it's so yeah. awesome. Um, I mean, that was just beautiful. And like, if I ever meet Trump, I'm going to be like, dude, Bloodsport 2, the next Kumite <laughs> is really fucking good. I don't know if you've seen it. I kind of like it better than the first one. <laughs> it's not, it's not Jean-Claude Van Damme. It's this guy, Daniel Bernhardt. Yeah. But he's really good. And it's got <laughs> Pat Morita's in it. And one of the Ooh, other Pat guys. Marita. I forgot Pat Morita's in that. Yeah. One of the other guys is in <laughs> it too. It's a really underrated movie, Bloodsport 2. <laughs> Um, and he'll, like, oh, thank you, Cody. he'll be very thankful. I you think. know what I was thinking the other day? You should do commentaries for movies. I um, did one just the other day oh, for the did? podcast. Yeah, I did uh, Air Bud. Uh, oh, nice. I did Air Bud World Pup. Oh, sick. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. I did it all by my lonesome. Which, which number Air Bud movie is that? That's I believe that's three. That's three. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That was only the third one? I've only seen the third and the fourth one. Okay. I've only seen Air Bud World Pup and I've only <laughs> seen... it goes into Air Buddies. Right? Yeah, that's a tangent universe. Okay. That's, a, that's a whole other thing. It's a whole other timeline because the it's like weir- the expanded universe. The weird thing that I noticed while I was doing the commentary was that Airbud has puppies in this one, uh-huh. but it doesn't make sense that the puppies would be the same ones from the Airbuddies universe because why would they still be puppies? Because mm. they came out years later, so they'd be like fully grown dogs. So my whole thing is like maybe the Airbuddies universe takes place in like the span of like a month. <laughs> You know, maybe they're going to space. Maybe they're helping Santa. Maybe they're like fighting ghosts all in the span of like this really interesting month while they're still puppies. 
and then later they grow up because it's the only it's the only explanation for why they're still puppies in each one of those films (laughs) so it's like they had just this really fucking busy month how did Air Bud end up being the one of those dog movies that took off like that like why not bingo you know yeah (laughs) well Beethoven had like four or five well that's true Air Bud fucking eclipsed that there's like there's a good six or seven Air Buds Um, and there's all the Air Buddies they're still making them Homeward Bound was the shit though Homeward Bound was so good did they make more than that one they did Two and then there's the original sixties one yeah. or so. Yeah. More bound is a good movie. That's a great movie. I mean, I it's we need some tissues if we're gonna watch that <laughs> we one. We need some more animal movies out there. I, I love fucking animal there's, there's movies. Not, well, I guess I, I spoke too soon. I <laughs> there's that cat one that yeah. came out recently and it looked god awful. Oh god, the, the one with Kevin, Kevin Spacey. Spacey. <laughs> it's like a Barry Levinson or Sonnenfeld one. No way, is it? I think it's Sonnenfeld. I yeah. might have to see it now. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> um, it got horrible, horrible reviews. Which means I'll probably like it. But, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I feel like there's something about animal movies. You can just kind of get into a groove of it. Yeah. It's it's basically if I ever had to teach the Kuleshov effect in school and like for mm-hmm. like teaching film of like uh-huh. you can use a shot that has no actual context, but what you have cut to it in relation gives it context. Yeah. Cutting to animal faces and cutting away from it. It's just Kuleshov for yeah. like 90 minutes. Yeah, so you just really throw is. on so fucking Air Bud it, 3 if you're going to teach is, Kuleshov is Air Bud effect. your favorite? Of the animal, I movies. do. I, I'm partially air, but I've only seen, yeah. like I said, I've only seen three and four. Yeah, I've never mm-hmm. even seen the original. Yeah, but uh, I like the kind of the vibe air, but it's funny too. Yeah. Like, you know, he's there's certain stuff that's easier to show a dog doing than other stuff. Like, yeah. I was impressed by how well, and and I watched this with Chloe, how well they showed him playing baseball. Yeah, <laughs> they did. I would think it's that weird. that would be the one that involved the most like trickery and whatnot. Yeah. Meanwhile. I thought like the soccer one would be easy. It's like, oh, he just fucking like nudges it with his nose or something. It's got the most like cutaways and it's like you barely see him playing at all. Yeah. It's like apparently that one was the most difficult. Oh, wow. But uh, yeah, I it, it's it's always a surprise in that regard. There's yeah. a lot of Canadian actors. There's a lot of horrible uh, uh, English accents whenever an English person yeah. Is supposed to be in the film, which there's always like one English person in these films, it seems. Mm. And it's always the worst English accent you've ever heard because apparently like an actual English person was out of their budget. Yeah. Like they needed some Canadian doing a horrible English accent. Yeah. Oh, it's very strange. But uh, yeah, I, I I enjoyed doing that commentary. I'll definitely do more uh, commentary tracks for movies. It's really fun. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it sounds good. Yeah. All right, so it was great talking to you. It was great having you here. Yeah. We're gonna go. I'm right about to go make some fucking lasagna for these. Oh my fuckers. god, I'm so excited! Nice. Making some garlic bread too. Oh. I see so many pictures of your food. Every I time know, you cook, finally, it looks so good. Finally gonna <laughs> have incredible. it. Yeah, you've been eating Pretty. it all week. You've been having a, a ball. Pretty sick. My body feels better because I've been eating his food. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Good stuff. So uh, thank you all for listening. Thank you guys for being here. Thank you. Thank see you for y'all. having us. See y'all soon.